Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Today on the show, we're talking about negative thought patterns and how God's Word can help us break free from fear and take back our joy. Our guest for today's episode is Margaret Feinberg. She's a writer, a speaker, a podcaster. She has a brand new book called More Power to You, Declarations to Break Free from Fear and Take Back Your Life. You guys, I'm so excited about this episode because the practice that Margaret talks about in this book and the one she's going to teach you today has absolutely transformed my faith and my life over the last 10 years or so. It was so cool talking to her about it because I've never known how to describe or explain or teach this concept, but as you'll hear, it has been a mainstay of my faith practice for years, and I cannot even begin to tell you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Seriously, this is the practice that helped me go from truly being my own worst critic to actually feeling beautiful and loved and good enough in my own skin. God has changed me from top to bottom, inside out, through what Margaret's going to teach you today, and I cannot wait for you to hear about it. But before we dive in, as we're talking about the fear of the future, I wanted to make sure that you guys have had a chance to check out my new prayer journal. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trust in God When You Don't Know What's Next. Now here's the thing. We all find ourselves in between places throughout our lives, especially these days, right? Maybe you're waiting for something, longing for something, or working for something, but it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you know where you want to go, but you have no clue how to get there. Or maybe you know you're not where you want to be in life, but you don't know exactly what needs to change or how to change it, and you don't know how to figure any of that out. Maybe you're trying to make a big decision and you have no idea which option to choose. Or maybe you're feeling like the whole world has turned upside down this year, taking your life, your plans, and any sense of security right along with it. And in all of this, you're trying to trust God with your future, but you're not sure how to practically do that and how to quiet the fear and anxiety all of this uncertainty has brought up in your heart. Friends, that's what The Between Places is here for. Through 100 guided prayer prompts, The Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To pick up a copy, just head to smaywilsonshop.com. That link will also be in our show notes, and it's also in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, guys, without any further ado, let's jump into my episode with Margaret. Friends, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting with my new friend, Margaret Feinberg, and I'm just so excited for you to get to know her. Margaret, thanks so much for being here. It is such a joy and a delight. Can you tell us, for the women who haven't met you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Okay. Well, I, um, I've lived all over the country from Alaska to Florida, to North Carolina to Colorado. We currently live in Utah. And for the last 20 some years, I've had the joy of sharing the story of just how kind of God has been at work in my life and in our community and in our world. And so I've been writing books and traveling and teaching and just opening up the scripture in a way to hopefully help people rediscover the wonder of God and his word. And a random little bit of trivia about myself is my parents were super free spirited 
did. And so that's part of the reason that I've lived in so many places. But there were years when I was growing up when long before like homeschool was reputable or even really well thought out. And I was raised on a boat on the islands in the Bahamas. Oh my gosh. That is so like, how long were you guys out there? It would vary. It might be three months or six months or a year. I know for my eighth birthday, like I speared my first lobster and that was like a huge, like rite of passage for somebody living on a boat in warm water. And, um, I actually shot two lobsters that day with a spear gun, which is how you do it or a Hawaiian sling. And, um, yeah, so I grew up a little bit isolated. There were times that, you know, I might go four or eight or 12 weeks without seeing another kid. And so I think as I've grown older, one of the things I crave is stability. And another that I crave is just deep friendships. That's so interesting. Like I I was going to guess that you were going to say like, I'm really good at being by myself. Like I really value my alone time. And I bet that's true also, but also that that's just so interesting that it like brought up new like needs for you. Yeah. I think all of us have those, you know, I think it's interesting because there is this sense of like, you know, I think when you, whatever you grew up with, there's probably some of us that crave something just a little bit different. And so for me, because we moved around a lot and just kind of lived in these, these crazy situations, I wanted to really live in like a neighborhood where all of the houses were matchy match. I think that's been like my secret dream. I'm curious for you. Do you have those too? Like those things from childhood, you're like, I grew up this way, but I kind of really like this. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I grew up not, the houses didn't match, like they didn't match as much as they could have, but I definitely grew up in the suburbs and that was okay. Uh, I mean, no, it was great. It was wonderful. It was a great place to grow up, like really safe. We could ride our bikes around, like, you know, walk to the pool. It, I mean, it was a great place to grow up. But it's funny because, I mean, it would take a lot for me to move to a suburb at this point. I, I think that I, I, you know, I live in the city now and I'm like, I want to bring my kids on a boat and teach them how to have us all learn how to like, you know, spear our first lobsters. And so I think I, I crave, um, I do need some stability, but I like too much of it is, is, is too much. Like I definitely have a pretty strong sense of wanderlust. Mm, I love that. I, yeah. Let's go to France tomorrow as soon as they let us. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Seriously from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, okay. So, Margaret, you have a new book, and it's called More Power to You, Declarations to Break Free from Fear and Take Back Your Life. And I am so excited about this because I have, like, from my own kind of life and experience and things I've learned um, just from different teachers in the last, like, 10 years or so, I have a hint as to what you're going to talk to us about today which makes me so excited. Like I'm I'm so excited to dive in and especially because I feel like we really need this right now. So can you talk to us about like where this idea came from? Like what the book's about, where this idea came from first. So about two years ago, I just went through a really dark season and it's interesting because it, it started a little bit dark and then it just got darker and darker until I you know, I was just starting to think, man, you know, I'm just a has-been. I should just quit. It's only a matter of time till the other shoe drops. Things are just going to get worse. And kind of like this, this darkness entered in. And I know my husband was a little worried and, and some friends, and I was still, you know, person of faith and praying and reading the Bible and, and singing and worshiping and doing all these things. But it was just this heaviness 
And um, I was sitting and having lunch with my friend, Chris, who's known me for a very long time. And he said something to me I've never forgotten. He said, Margaret, I don't know when, and I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the way, you have made agreements with the universe that are not true. And I thought, uh, agreements with the universe that aren't true. Like that sounds a little woo woo. <laughs> but as I, ta- I thought about it, I realized, you know what? I think I have. I think rather than living in the beauty and the wonder of who Christ says I am and what I'm called to, I've been starting to make these agreements. And so I came home and I spent the next couple of days and I just began repenting. And repenting is simply, it means to change one's mind. And I began saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for believing all these things. I'm not a husband. I'm not, I shouldn't give up. It's not a matter of time till the other shoe drops. Like, wait a second. And so I just said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for believing these things. And Father, I want to like realign myself, my thoughts, my mind, my spirit with the truth and the beauty and the power of who you say I am. And so I started to sit down and create a list of daily declarations. And I began to think about this idea of, okay, I think that all of us have these thoughts that kind of flutter in our mind. The problem is when, as Martin Luther says, like we, we start to allow them to build a nest inside of us. And so I began thinking, okay, what are the things that I am believing that are just flat out lies, things that, that just are not true. And some of them, I mean, honestly, some of them are kind of culturally, you know, list how our culture presents. And so I started to think, you know what, some of the lies I believe is I'm not enough or this is just how it is, or my situation will never improve, or I am what I own. And I started to think, wait a second, let's, let's put a comma in there. Let's go to to the scripture. Let's find out what the Bible says about these things. And then let's base these declarations deeply in scripture. And so I just started waking up and reading these things out loud, declarations like Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. I take every thought captive. I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. My purpose is to love, serve, glorify God and enjoy him forever. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. The same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in me. And as I began waking up each day and making these biblically rooted declarations, it was only a matter of a week or so when my husband looked at me and he goes, Margaret, I don't know what has happened, but you are lighter and freer than I have ever seen before. And so I realize as I've been doing this, not just for the last couple of years, but especially during this pandemic, man, it has been such a game changer. It takes about 90 seconds. But what it is, is it's that saying it out loud and saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to be. This is what I'm going to do today. And then coupling that with 52 devotions that are in more power to you that identify some of the lies that I know I believe, but I think all of us fall into and creating devotions around that. So you're not having to go and spend hours taking on some new project, but, but just a few minutes a day can really make a radical change in your life. I love everything about that. I, so gosh, a handful of years ago, I did a long mission trip where I traveled around the world which was very cool. And I remember being at the training camp for it, which was just like a chance to meet your team and kind of get to know the organization and kind of prepare your heart. And I remember that there were lots of sessions that talked about identity. 
And at the time, mm-hmm. I'd been a Christian for a couple of years at that point. And like, I mean, I was falling head over heels in love with Jesus. Just, I mean, he had changed my life so much. But there still was sort of this part of me that we hadn't gotten to yet. And that was what I thought of myself and like aligning my thoughts about myself with his thoughts about me, what with what he says is true. And so a lot of the talks I remember at that training camp were about identity. And it's cool because one of the women who impacted me the most has been on the show a couple of times. Her name's Caroline. And um, she had us at one point, she started talking about this thing called declarations, which I'd never heard of. And she at one point had us stand on chairs, which feels really like wild. Like I just, we don't stand on chairs enough as adults. <laughs> like you're, It's like, you just aren't supposed to. And so we like got up on our chairs, stood on our chairs and she had us yell out, like yell truths that God says about us, like about mm. ourselves. Like I mm. am this, I am this. And I remember just being like, so like kind of freaked out at first. And then like something started to change in me. And through that year, as we were traveling, that's something we would do a lot. We would stand on furniture and we would speak out declarations. And for some seasons during the year, I mean, we would do it every day. And that year I really got to like come face to face with some of the agreements I'd been believing. Some of these like really rotten truths about myself that I just had accepted as, or things about myself that I had accepted as truths. And like little by little through out loud declaring the things that God said, that God says about me, like they started to kind of unwind themselves from my heart. And it was Mm. the biggest identity transformation I've ever had in my whole life. And so when I saw the word declarations, like about your book, I was like, we need to have Margaret on to talk about this because it's really cool to hear someone else who like wasn't there say, yeah, this has really helped me too. Yeah, I think it, it really does. I know in my own life. So I, you know, I kind of did a deep search in the scripture to say, why is this so powerful? Like, why does this matter? And I, I, I think what happens is there's kind of a spiritual progression that happens. So I believe that there is an adversary to God, an enemy. I think he accuses. I think he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I think he's a dirty dog, bad dude. Okay. <laughs> so he is the opposing team of those who choose to follow God or follow Jesus. And what happens is he is spewing lies. He is spewing these falsities. So when we're not aligning ourselves with God and his truth, it creates a gap where he can kind of insert and spew and spit untruths into us in the sense of of starting to think and align with things that aren't true. So we start to think things that our culture says, you know what, you're not that attractive, or you're not as attractive as so-and-so, or in thoughts that are like, man, that's so unhealthy. Like where, where did that come from? That that doesn't, you know, empower me. That doesn't set me up for, for this beautiful God life that I have. But, but what I think what happens is these thoughts kind of negative spirals come in and and there's, we have, you know, 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day. And again, a bird can fly by and that little negative thought the problem is, is that, and I saw in my own life is that I would, first of all, that, that negative thought would come and then I would acknowledge it, that untruth. And then what would happen was I would come into agreement with it. And in coming with agreement, it's almost like I would ingest it until it started coming back out of my own life. And I'd come into agreement 
with the enemy. And when you do that, there's, there is a spiritual threshold that you cross. And I think I had crossed it so frequently that I was in this place of darkness and heaviness. So what, what I started to have to do is to recognize, you know what, I'm going to be a person who, according to the Apostle Paul, I'm going to take every thought captive. And so I'm going to say, you know what, I am not going to allow those thoughts to set up nest in my head. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to rise up and I'm going to break every agreement scripturally that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and say, Jesus, I need to know what am I thinking that, as you say, is not part of my identity, is not who I'm called to be. And when I did that, I started to think, you know what, there are all these thoughts. I think one of the most common, you know, that, that we have are things like, you know, feeling shame or I am ashamed or I always have to get the last word or I'm a fraud or, you know, I'm just not that smart, or I'm, I'm just not that beautiful, or I'm just too busy, or I can't say no. And I started to realize there's so many of these, and they don't sound weird. They're often like we, we say, a lot of us say these a lot and say, wait a second, but that is not the truth of who I am and whom I'm called to be. And in that power of declaring them, what happens is I think we're not just declaring them to ourselves, which is oh so important, and literally rewiring the neurons in our brain that in these truths, but we are saying them to the adversary and the enemy. When we stand up and we say, you know what? Worry is not my boss. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him and he will make my paths straight. We start declaring that. I think Satan's, uh, he just takes six steps back. Like he's like, mm, I'm out of here because we're walking in the fullness of the power. And I believe the Holy Spirit that God has called and created us to walk in. Oh, it's our way of fighting back. Yes. Yes. This is a tool to say the darkness will not have me. I will not let it have my kids. I will not let it have my family. I will not let it have my job. I will not let it have what God has entrusted me with. And that moves us. One of the, the final declaration of all of them, and I think you'll love it, it, it is simply this. I am on God's offensive team today. I am tired of playing defensive. I am tired of giving him inches and centimeters in my life. I'm ready to rise up and be on God's offensive team, living on mission, living on purpose, living with that joy and that excitement and that enthusiasm, believing that above all, God has good things up his sleeve for me. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. Well, okay. So I'm trying to think like back, like well, the first time I heard this, the first time the idea of like God's, God's truth about us versus the truths we believe or truths in air quotes, we believe about ourselves was brought up to me. I think that like my biggest fear was that, and, and I think that this is why we believe that little like bird thought as it flies by, like we're afraid to, I don't know, maybe be like naive or lie to ourselves or something like that. Like it, I, I think that because it, it's almost like we're already kind of in this hole of believing that we're not good enough. And then this little thought flies by that reinforces that. And we feel like we're not being pessimistic. We're not being anything. We're just being realistic to, to believe that thing about ourselves. And it almost feels like too good to be true or faking it to believe like what God says about us because we don't see ourselves that way. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. I think it is so, um, it is so true. I know at one point and I write about this and more power to you. I just, I sat down and, and I started to, you know, just 
write down with a pen and paper and some prayer and just saying, Lord, what are, what are the things that the agreements that I've made with the enemy and just accept it. And some of the things I wrote down, I mean, I'll just be honest, they're not pretty. I, I wrote things like I'm ugly. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy of good things or success. I feel like a fraud. I should be further along by now. You know, and I think if we're honest and all of us took that piece of paper, we started jotting things down. I think for just like I did, some of us would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I believe I, 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 that this resides in me, these thoughts. And I remember when I sat there I, and I looked at my list by the time I was done and there were dozens and dozens, I just had these hot tears streaming down my face because I didn't realize how debilitating my life had become. I ended up in this dungeon of lies and it made me feel alone. It made me feel ashamed. It made me feel afraid. It made me feel trapped. And I think these toxic thoughts had just gotten lodged inside of me. And it was so important to say, you know what? I, I'm not going to believe these things. You know, I think one of the most destructive agreements that we can ever make is that our current reality is all that will ever be. You know, it's so easy to think, man, we're never going to get through this pandemic. You're never going to escape that dead end job or that harmful relationship or the black hole of debt. You know, the agreement that my situation will never improve, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, all of a sudden we start avoiding opportunities to escape because we're convinced that our efforts are going to end in failure. And if we're not careful in these spirals of negativity, we become like Sherlock Holmes collecting clues that confirm the untruth that we're going to be stuck in this thing or this belief. And in that place, I think our dreams weather, I think they weaken. And what can happen is that agreement, that lie can become a stronghold that stands in the way of you fulfilling your God-given destiny. And so the amazing thing I believe is that through Jesus, we are not bound to an agreement. We can break it and rip up that paper anytime we want. I mean, you and I can rise up with this people who are delivering a one-two power punch to any lie. I mean, that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so, you know, we start to identify this. And that's why one of my declarations again is I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Wherever I have given in, I'm done. We're ripping up that contract. I'm out. I'm lining myself with the agreements of who God says I am and the beauty and the perfection that he sees in me through Christ. And this is not a one and done. And I think this is what you experienced in that year, you know, where you were getting on that chair multiple times, you know, throughout the year. And so what happens is all of a sudden we, we, we say it and it's not like, I think the enemy or the darkness of that negativity is just gone. But as we do it through repetition, as we consistently do it, all of a sudden we realize, you know, that if the God who made the galaxies lives in us, then we have the power through Christ to tear down every destructive agreement. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. And it's so transformative. It goes back to like what we were talking about earlier with our childhoods. There are things like, well, just like me, like I want to, I want to have close friends and I want to live in a matchy matchy house. Or are you saying, you know what, I want to go on a boat and do all of that. And that's fun. And that's dreaming. But sometimes from our childhood, you know, we, we, we come into these agreements that were just you know, maybe somebody said to us or somebody spoke to us and we've never really dealt with them. I remember I was in fifth grade when a, a teacher looked at me and I think I was, you know, being distracting, probably flirting with a cute boy who happened to be a drummer. Cause that's what we did. And, um, <laughs> 
and I remember the teacher looked at me and, and said, you know, you'll never amount to anything. Oh my gosh. Right. And those words sear so deeply. And of course, as a successful adult, I look at that and I go, oh no, that's not true. But if I really dig deep, I have to say, you know, where have I come into agreement with that? And how do I get that back out of my life? And remember, no, God has a purpose and a plan for me that is beyond my wildest dreams. Mm. I, I love that you said the thing about self-fulfilling prophecy, because when I, like, I made a really similar list, I, I was like, what do I believe to be true about myself? Like, just deep down, when I think about who I am as a person, what do I believe? And I remember that the words too much to love, too much to really love, like maybe you could love me at the beginning, but like, if you get too deep, like I'm going to be too much for you at some point, And that's going to like, you're going to walk away. Uh, and then I think I also, I thought I was annoying and I don't know where I got that idea, but I just, I just did. And it's crazy because I can see examples of times when when believing those things actually made them true. Like if you think you're annoying, then maybe you're checking with your people all the time. Like, was that annoying? Am I annoying? Was that annoying? Am I annoying? <laughs> and at a certain point, like, yeah, that's annoying. It, but it what it wouldn't have been if you weren't believing that about yourself. And I, I distinctly remember the relationship that I was in before I met my husband, Carl, I really did think that I was too much to love. And, mm -hmm. and I remember having conversations with this wonderful guy who, who really cared about me and would tell me all the time how much he cared about me. And it did not matter how he treated me or how many times he told me how much he cared about me. I just never believed it. Mm -hmm. And that was so frustrating for me because I'm in a loving relationship feeling totally unloved and he feels like he's failing constantly. And like, that wasn't totally the reason that our relationship didn't work out, but it was a large part of it. And if I would have just believed that I was worthy of love, it would have solved so many problems in our relationship. It was just a belief thing. But I think, Margaret, my, like, I want to ask this just one more time because I know there's someone sitting here going, I have my list of things that I believe about myself, but like, I really believe that they're true. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really, I like, I, I don't know how to not believe that I'm unworthy of love. Like, I'm convinced, mm -hmm. totally convinced that I'm unworthy of love. And to say otherwise feels like a total lie. So what do we do there? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, I think that the book of Revelation, chapter four, it describes this throne room with sights and sounds and smells and, and, and a presence that is beyond our wildest comprehension. And when you read about this God who sits, is all powerful, so mighty, that he made you. And when he made you, he did not make a mistake. And he loves you more than words. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, just as a sacrifice to say, I will lay it all down for you. And I stand arms wide open. And so I think that that God, that person of Jesus, he has, he wants to set you free from that. I think that the first recognition is to say, you want to, I am bound to these lies. And that's what I'm hearing. The person who says, no, but this is true. This is true. This is true. And I'm going to look at you and say, it is not true. And it is time for you to break free and rise above. That may mean 
changing some of your friendships because you may be encircled by people who are reaffirming what is negative and these friends are toxic and they are not helping you become all you're called and created to be. Secondly, it may require sitting down with a counselor and talking through these things and helping somebody from the, having somebody from the outside identify where these false beliefs entered in and to replace those with the truth. But if you feel backed into a corner by something that is untrue, by a lie, just understand that now we've got layers of lies because number one, you're not backed in a corner. There is a way out. And I think more power to you will help you get out of there. But secondly, to realize that that core belief, God is waiting to speak life and healing and wholeness into that place. He wants you to not just know about his love, but to feel his love, his liquid love presence that transforms everything. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Margaret as much as I am. Isn't she great? I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for today's episode is a company I am obsessed with. Our sponsor is Audible. Now, I've been a huge fan of Audible for years now, but between the pandemic and being pregnant, my love for them has reached a whole new level. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, self-development, memoirs, and my favorite, food memoirs. Now, you guys know this about me. I'm not a great cook, but I love reading about other people learning to cook, especially if they're cooking and traveling to new places all at the same time. That is my absolute favorite. And I'm so happy to say that Audible has an incredible selection of food memoirs. They actually have an incredible selection of every kind of book because they have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for its members. Now, while these aren't food memoirs exactly, some of my very favorite books to listen to on Audible are by one of my very favorite authors. Her name's Shauna Nequist, and her books Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, and Present Over Perfect have made an enormous impact on me. And you can listen to Shauna herself read all of them through Audible. Even though I've read each of them about a thousand times, I love going back and listening to them as I'm driving or on a walk or making dinner. And that's the reason I love Audible so much. You can listen to amazing books on any device, anytime, anywhere. And while you're doing everyday things like cooking or cleaning or driving or working out, I just love it. Plus, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a bit fatigued from staring at screens lately. And so audiobooks are this great way to give your eyes a much needed break while still learning and being entertained. And truly, I didn't think I could love Audible anymore. That is until they told me that they were going to give all of our Girls' Night listeners a 30-day free trial. To get your 30-day free trial, all you have to do is go to audible.com slash girlsnight or text girlsnight to 500-500 to get started. Again, that's audible.com slash girlsnight or text girlsnight to 500-500. Audible, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night and for being one of my favorite things. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Margaret. I think we have to come to a point where we either believe that we're correct or that God is correct. Yeah. And like, I had to have kind of a reckoning with some of those things that really felt true. Like, I'm pretty sure that this is true about me, but God says differently. And -hmm. like, I had to decide who I thought was right. And, and only one of us can be right. You know, like if I say I'm unlovable and God says that like 
I created you. I did not make a mistake. And I love you so much that I was willing to sacrifice my son for you. Like I made you, I am your creator. Like you are calling my masterpiece garbage. Like I, I'm the one who made you. We get to decide, like, do we believe us or do we believe him? Like when you put it that way, I feel like it's pretty cocky to think that we know better than God. Yeah. And I also think just one other element, um, you know, is just a, a scientific physiological of why you can feel so backed into that corner. And even what we're talking about, you may say, well, I just don't even know that. But but what may have happened to you if you're in that corner, and this is just the way that our brains are made, is that there are, there's a statement and it's beautiful. So the neurons that fire together, wire together. In other words, when you think a thought, over and over and over again, you're actually, your, your cells are building like a super highway in your brain that will just go immediately there. So if you are saying to yourself every day, I am ugly, I am ugly, I am ugly. Not only will you begin to believe that, but, but your, your, your thought, your brain will start going super speed to that thought. So when you stand in the mirror and you see something you don't like, or when you, uh, pick out an outfit, it doesn't fit quite right. You're just going to keep going till that. And that, till that becomes your truth and reality. And what's amazing is that God was so gracious. He said, you know what? I'm going to design you, not just that you can build a super highway towards something, but you could break down that super highway and build a new one in a different direction. And so that's part of the power of the declarations again, is that you're saying, I'm no longer going to go straight to I'm ugly. I'm going to start building a super highway as I declare, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you start saying that, declaring that, you're deconstructing the negative, that area where you feel trapped in a corner and you start building a new super highway toward the truth of what God says about you. And let me just tell you, somebody who is trapped in that corner of thinking I'm unattractive, I am, you know, ugly. And and believe me, I, I've got, I've wrestled with weight and body all my life. But as I start declaring, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, what happens is then I start looking in the mirror and over time begin seeing the good things God did. And that kind of person is so much more delightful to be around. (laughs) It's really true. Like it's a, it's a a kind of self-fulfilling in the opposite direction. Well, so that's what I was going to ask you next is like, can you play out the, the different scenarios for us? Like if we're living in the lies that, you know, the world has told us that we've told ourselves that like, if we're living kind of trapped in that darkness, how does that play out in our relationships and our work? And like, just our, our, the impact we're able to make in our lives. And then when we're believing the truth about what God says about us, what does that look like played out long-term? Yeah. I also want to just highlight, and I think it's such a good question, but that, that not all the lies we believe are, are these deep, dark, I'm ugly. You know, it's, it's not like that. Some of them are just like, it, it's just, it's just, things that, that we just grew up believing. I know for me, and there's so many of these that we don't even think about them twice. Like for me, one of the lies that I've wrestled with is I need to make everyone happy. You ever wrestle with that one? Like I'm a total people pleaser. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yep. Me too. Right. And so we do in our culture and as a parent and as a child, we just need to make everybody happy. The holiday need to make everybody happy. I nicknamed it, uh, supposed to itis. 
And I don't know about this, but I think a lot of us suffer from the syndrome of supposed to itis. Um, and we don't even realize that it's happening. It takes so many different forms. And we don't even, again, this is a lie that many of us like myself have believed. And we're like, wait, no, no, that's, that's actually not true. Like the little ones that goes, well, I'm supposed to arrive early and I'm supposed to stay late and I'm supposed to volunteer for that extra project at work. And I'm supposed to bake the 79 cupcakes from scratch. And I'm supposed to be all things to all people. But when I, when I believe that and I live like that, the way it plays out in the scenarios, I mean, supposed to make me cranky underneath, you know what, because the list of people to please never ends. I mean, whether it's employers, colleagues, teachers, coaches, friends, neighbors, parents, in-laws, spouses, children, board members, book club buddies, on and on and on. And I think one of the reasons this kind of, this lie slips in is that it's really easy to confuse people pleasing with kindness. You know, when someone requests a favor, even when it's a great cost or inconvenience, I may agree to do it because it's the right thing to do. And I don't want to appear selfish, but really if I dig deeper into it, it's a matter of self-worth because saying yes to others makes me feel accepted, liked, and needed. But when that gets out of whack, too much people-pleasing makes me feel overwhelmed, resentful towards others, and even being taken advantage of. And so we have to look and say, okay, well, how am I falling into this? How am I thinking that I have to make everyone happy and that's actually making me unhappy and leading to some unhealthy attitudes, reactions, and responses that are actually hurting my friendships rather than strengthening them? And so I think for me, I've had to say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pass on this lie that I need to make everyone happy. And I'm going to redirect and make a declaration that says, my purpose is to serve God. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start pleasing God, which, which means I'm going to, before I give that knee jerk reaction to say, yes, I'll do this, 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 and this for you. I'm going to pause and say, you know what? Thank you so much for that, that ask and that invitation. I need some time to think about it. And so then all of a sudden I come home, I look at my calendar and I make a much better decision and, and maybe even pray about it and say, Hey, I need some wisdom here. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Let's weigh this out. Maybe talk about it with my spouse or my best friend. And then I find I'm not living my life exhausted and worn out, but actually starting to develop some healthy boundaries. I mean, wow. And actually learning to love people well without having to just say yes all the time and trying to be this all-encompassing happiness factory for everyone around me. And so when you start to accept that the world will keep spinning without you, it actually frees you up to enjoy the ride. I just need to know if anyone else feels like Margaret just like gave you like a really swift kick and a hug all at the same time. Margaret, <laughs> you just totally articulated the learning that I've been doing over the last probably three to four years, like just to a T that has been my work mm. over the last three to four years. And it's, I mean, I've, I've seen so much progress and victory and, and I've got like, things have gotten so much better, but like that was, I feel like you just read my journal. So mm. thank you for that. I've wrestled with it. I still wrestle with it. I it's mean, hard. there are times that I still slip with, and that's, that's the other thing. There's so much grace here. There's so much grace because as you start to, you know, to identify lies, move into the truth, Believe the truth of what God has for you, who you are. We're, we're still going to mess up. We're still going to be like, you know what? I should have said no. I, I, I did. But you know what? We start making those mistakes less and less and less 
and begin walking with people who are freer, who are walking with joy and levity, who have a sense of, you know what, I have healthy boundaries. And as a result, I have some of the healthiest relationships I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, all of these things sound really hard when you're in the thick of it. And I just say that because I've, I felt that like mm. trying to rewire what I believe about myself, like mm. it felt like this impossible task and then trying to rewire the like decisions I make and the ways that I interact with people because of it. I mean, just felt so big, but like, I just want to say, as you said, like it gets easier and, and Mm. it's cool because I can hear my own thoughts about myself. Mm. Like when I tune into my thoughts, the vast majority of them are really kind and really supportive Mm. at this point in life. And I mean, that used to be so not true. It's crazy. I used to be so mean to myself. And, but I, the more like with practice, I feel like it's so, it's so natural for me now for not all the time, but like most of the time and, and much more easily to just like be really kind to myself and really supportive and really loving and, and to Mm -hmm. see myself, I think so much closer to the way that God sees me. So when it comes to declarations, like walk us through are these supposed to be things that we're writing for ourselves? Like, I think that there's someone sitting here going, okay, Margaret knows her scripture so well. Like, I don't know mine that well. How do we get started with doing this in our own life? I think a couple things. I think first, I think first, getting a copy of More Power to You, read through some of the lies that I've wrestled with, because I think a lot of these are ones we all wrestle with in some way or another. And I think I will really unlock and help you identify some of the things that that you've been battling and maybe not even realized it. Cause a lot of these, I was like, well, everybody does that. And I was like, oh, that doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no. And a lot of it, honestly, some of it comes from our American culture you know, or pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. I got to do this by myself. Nope. Nope. That's not true. That's not true. You don't have to do this by yourself. In fact, the best way to do this is in community and with others. And so I think in reading the book, it'll unlock some of those. The reason that I have these declarations penned kind of the way that they are and they're at the front of the book. and, And we've even got like free giveaways where you can download. There's gorgeous printables and things like that. But there is a cadence to declarations that makes it easier to remember. And so that's why I think this list that you'll find in More Power To You is so good to maybe start with and then add and change out your own. You know, at Leif, uh, my husband, he has a similar list, but he changed out some of the things because he goes, you know what, this is one of the things that I really wrestle with. But sometimes it's easier to do it using somebody else's as a base rather than just staring at a blank piece of paper and trying to come up with them. And as you begin declaring them, you'll see the ones that really ring true. The other thing that happens, and I've heard this from so many readers, is that in those who are doing the declarations, is they'll start to go through the list. And at some days, it's like there's almost just this pause as they just say it out loud. And all of a sudden, they recognize that through the Spirit, there is something that maybe God wants to dislodge in them through that declaration. And so to recognize that when your declarations are rooted in scripture, not just the idea of like, I'm pretty, that's a great thing to say. And I want everybody to think that they are pretty, but I want more for you. I want you to know that you are fearfully and and wonderfully made beautiful beyond measure. That is scripture. That is truth. That is not just the power of a positive thought. 
That is the power of God's word. So I think the second thing that I would suggest as you make these declarations is these are not just, you know, niceties. Root them in scripture because it is it is the power of God in you. And it is through that scripture that you are not on your own. You don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't have to crawl out of that corner by yourself, but through the Holy Spirit, he's come to empower you. If the accuser, the enemy is the accuser, God sent the Holy Spirit to be your advocate. And so when you start rooting it in the Bible, man, it's like just a power, power, power punch. Okay. I love that. And thank you so much for making that for us. Like, I totally agree. I'm like, okay, sitting at a blank screen with a blinking cursor is so scary. Like, how do I even begin? But I love the idea of like, okay, let's start with yours. And then if we need to swap some of them out, we definitely can. But like, it's just, that's just so much easier. So thank you for that. And guys, we're going to link to everything in the show notes because we all, we all need this. Margaret, can you talk to us about like, you know, as we're kind of finishing up, I would love for you to walk us through some of the declarations. Like, can you lead us through some of them? Mm, I can, I can. Okay. Uh, I'll just... Jesus is king of my life. And the reason I start with that one is because there are so many things that we bow our knee and our lives to. And some of them are, you know, are just part of life. But what happens is often the the things that we give preeminence, that we hand our time and our attention to, when we do that, those things become like little, little, little gods, little trinkets, little idols, and, and they don't look like a whole lot. But what happens is over time, often those things take more and more and more from us until we start allowing those things to drag us around. And so I just start with just the basic foundation. Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. Honey, I ain't listening to what the world and culture says. I take every thought captive. I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. My purpose is to love God. My purpose is to serve God. My purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I find that shame is not my boss, but God's power is perfected in my vulnerability. My words have power. I will look for every opportunity to speak life, show compassion, and bring out the best in others. I am anointed, empowered, and called to reach people far from God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I refuse to be held hostage by unforgiveness. I will forgive 70 times seven and beyond because I am forgiven. I am an overcomer. I refuse to bow my knee to the accuser, listen to the voice of the adversary, or flinch in the face of adversity. God works all things together for my good and his glory. I will look for the character and competence of God. God in every situation. I am on God's offensive team today. I just, uh, you guys, let's do this. Like truly, mm. like I feel like as a test subject here, I can vouch for how much reading God's truth over yourself out loud every day changes things. Like it just, it just does. I feel like God transformed me, just totally transformed me as I did this in my life. And Margaret, I'm so grateful for you walking us through this because it just, we just desperately need it. We just desperately need it. And I feel like when we can believe those things and have those things be our bedrock and the tr- like the truest thing about us, the truest thing in us, we're just so much freer to do 
all of the things that we were created to do and to enjoy life so much more. It makes life so much more enjoyable when we're not living with our own worst critic or living with like the enemy in our heads. And so I'm just really, really grateful for this work that you've done. Oh, thank you so much. And I just have to tell you, I mean, this isn't like, I mean, I've been doing this for several years now. That's how powerful it is. I have these daily declarations, true confession. I have one in my Bible. I have one above the toilet paper roll in the bathroom. I have one on my bathroom mirror. There's one in my car. And it's amazing. Like there'll be days my husband will look at me and I'll go, did you do your daily declarations today? I'll be like, no. And then I'll go back and do them. And it just, it changes the day. He's like, I can tell. Can you go do them real quick? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Well, Margaret, just last but not least, would you just pray for us? Mm. Just especially for the women who are sitting here being like, I hear this and I so badly want to believe differently about myself and my life, but like, it just feels so stuck. Mm, I will. I'm going to actually pray some of these declarations over our listeners. Heavenly father, Jesus, you are King of our lives. And father, would you let every listener know that they are exactly who Christ says they are? Father, would you take every thought captive in all of our minds? Would you help us to be a people who break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God? Father, would you ground us in the truth that our purpose is to love, serve, glorify, and enjoy you forever? Father, would you awaken in us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in us? Father, today, may we walk in the reality that we are God's beloved children in whom you are well-pleased, that we are a people who are fearfully and wonderfully made beautiful beyond measure. Father, today, will your power guard our thoughts, will your word guide our steps, and will your favor rest on us. Father, today, may we be a people who rise up and live as those on the offensive team for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Margaret, thank you so much for being here. Oh, this has been such a delight. You are a gift. Thank you for loving and serving everyone who hears this in such beautiful, compassionate, vulnerable, and stunning ways, and for asking great questions. Oh, thank you, friend. Thank you. You guys, isn't Margaret amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? I just love her and I love her story. And there were so many times that I was just bowled over by God's truth and His love as she talked. Game-changing, right? Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find the links to any of the things we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Margaret so that you can pick up her new book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff still ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you guys a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you again next week.